Okay, so B'siyat HaDashmaya, with the help of the Master of the World, we're going to dive right in. And um, before we do, I just wanted to make just a comment. I think today's a very, it's an obviously a big day. We know that everything in physicality, anything that happens in our world, is obviously a manifestation of something happening in the spiritual realm as well. I know some of the, the chevra on the call, and I myself obviously am here in Eretz Yisrael. But for those that are uh, on the other side of the world in America, so obviously today, as everybody knows, is uh, Inauguration Day, January 20th. The transference of power from one administration to the next, each with its own policies, each with its own agenda. And if this is happening, Begashmias, that means Baruchnias, there's also a shift, there's also something happening. And obviously, anytime that something happens in the world, there has to be a lot of tefillah. And the ability to rise above our own personal considerations and to remind ourselves that there's a, there's a master of the world who's in charge. And like Rabbi Nachman writes, nature might decree or demand a certain outcome. We forget sometimes that tefillah is a weapon. And it's our primary weapon. This is, this is what defines us. This is our primary tefillah. And so when such a shift happens in this world, that means that we need to step up and we need to make sure that we're fighting with our weapon to make sure and to dive in that this should be favorable for both the United States of America, for the entire world that in a certain way hinges on the well-being of that place, for Eretz Yisrael, which obviously heavily depends on that relationship, and for the world at large, that this should be a step toward the gilui of, of Omal Cheshemayim. But I think Bechlal, you know, sitting and watching such a thing, there's a lot to take out of it, you know, on a, on a spiritual level. There's a lot of tremendous messages. When you watch a person who wields all of the power in the sense of being able, on a whim, to make a decision that can affect millions, if not billions of people. And from one, literally one minute to the next, from 11.59 on January 20th a.m. to 12 o'clock p.m., Klum, just a regular citizen, on a plane to his private residence in Florida, and somebody completely different than a moment ago was completely irrelevant in the sense of political power, in one moment becomes the most powerful person in the world. And that tells us a lot about Kvod Malachim, that Rabbi Nachman describes. The honor and the prestige of kings, or the kingly prestige and honor in this world, which is a dimyon, which is all an illusion and a mirage, and isn't essential. And the difference and the distinction between this worldly Kavod, which is Kvod Malachim, and Kvod Elokim, which is an, or, or a spiritual and a godly sort of honor that is essential to the one who wields it because it's not his own, but it's because that honor that this person has is only a reflection of the essential honor of the Mechuyiv HaMetzias of the Ein Sof Yisbarach, that that is eternal because that's not something that hinges on a bus or a dam. And I was reminded again, you know, there's a lot to talk about when you watch such a thing and you know, it's a big day. It's a really big day. No matter how we're feeling about it, no matter who, you know, which side you're on, obviously it's very polarizing, but it's a big day for everybody. It's a big day for the world. 
And one of, the, one of the things that came to mind as I was reading some of the stories and watching some of the clips is a mashal that I read years ago in a sefer from Rabbi Yaakomir Shechter, Shlita. There's many, many svarim. I can't remember right now which sefer this is found in. But in this sefer, he brings a beautiful mashal from the Kadmoinim. It's an early mashal he brings. Don't know exactly from who, the Chavis Alavavis. Maybe it was before the Chavis Alavavis. I don't remember. An old mashal that he said he found somewhere and he brought down this beautiful thing where there was a certain Medina, there was a certain country that after many cycles of dictatorships and many cycles of tyranny came to the realization that we can't trust a person whose kingship or whose sovereignty is an effect of his upbringing or an effect of his connections because such a person is going to be corrupt. Such a person is ultimately going to act only in accordance with his own personal agenda, not for the good of the people. And they spent a lot of time thinking, 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 how can we set up a democracy in such a way where it's going to be to the benefit just of the people and we want a person that's able to do the job, but somebody who's not such a chacham and somebody who doesn't really know the ins and outs of it or feels entitled to it, who's going to go ahead and usurp that power for himself and ultimately ruin more than he builds. And finally, after a lot of conversation, they came up with this idea, which was that they would go every few years to the nearest garbage heap or the nearest place where all the paupers hung out. And they would, in a subvertive, secret way, would try to get one of the paupers that they would obviously choose this person, that he's not a complete imbecile, but they would get a certain person very, very, very extremely drunk, extremely, extremely drunk, or they would give him some sort of drug that was a, you know, you know, completely knocked this person out for a long period of time. And while this person was out or in a coma or unconscious for however long that period of time was, they would pick him up from that garbage dump. They would bring him to the palace they would shave him, they would give him a haircut, they would bathe him, they would change his clothing. They would put him on the throne and they would have all of the people around who were all in on it would mamish when this person, the moment he wakes up, he's the king. He's the king. And each and every cycle of this, when that person woke up, who was really a pauper, but when he woke up from whatever you know, stupor he was in, there was a certain sense of dissonance. Obviously, it's very, very disconcerting. And he would have to really think very, very, very deeply, like, what, what's my high? What's going on here? Now, he doesn't want to make a move that's going to suggest to anybody that he's really not deserving of this because he's perfectly fine, right, with the perceived upgrade from where he was living before. And so, like, he goes with emotions and pretends, I mean, they're calling him the king and they're treating him, you know, with such royalty and majesty. And so he goes with the flow. I mean, what's he going to do? But at the same time, inside, he realizes, not a, you know, something's not right here, right? Something's not right. And as the days pass on and pass by, as he's busy trying to mull over this you know, strange, bizarre thing that he remembers his old life on a garbage heap somewhere and all of a sudden here he is, you know, being treated like the king and doesn't know, you know, what happened. He's completely disoriented. Something shifts in his mind where he starts to think like, maybe that was a dream and this is, this is my reality and I'm having a short-term memory lapse or something, but I'm really, I'm really a king. 
And whereas a day ago, or the past couple of days, he was thinking to himself, you know, this is a dream, even though I'm not able to wake up from it, but this is certainly a dream, and that was my real life, all of a sudden things begin to shift. And this is what happened, Kahava, and in this way, the person was so humble and so delicate, you know, treating the job so delicately and, you know, trying, trying to make sure, you know, that he doesn't do anything to rock the boat, to change the status quo. And in this way, you know, this was the, uh, the Mahalach that they came up with, the strategy to make sure that there would be no tyranny. One of the cycles, they did this again and again and again and again. And one time they picked up this certain pauper. And again, the whole mahalach, how they got him drunk or they drugged him up and knocked him unconscious in some way. And he wakes up and he's on the throne with such royalty and so on and so forth. But this person was unique in that he refused, he refused, he refused to just accept. And his desire for the truth was such that he was willing even to sacrifice the very favorable status quo that he was living in in that experience to really understand like what happened here, what happened here. And this kept him up at night. And, 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 you know, I guess they had records, you know, where everybody else turned the corner. He wasn't turning the corner. And those close with him knew that this was bothering him. There was something bothering him. And he couldn't really speak about it because he wasn't sure who to trust. And he didn't want to rock the boat again because, you know, he was the king. But he, he was grappling with this a tremendous, tremendous amount. Finally, after a number of months or years, however long this period of time, this cycle was, after which, by the way, I neglected to mention, after the cycle, they would one day just decide, or not they, they would decide, but it would reach a certain, a certain day, in the, uh, in, the, in the reign of this pauper turned king, and they would literally just knock him unconscious in the same way that they did the first time and strip him of all of the clothes and everything else and just return him to the garbage heap. And then they would find a new pauper. And this was the cycle that they would go again and again. And so a number of weeks or a number of months into this quasi you know, pseudo reign of this pauper turned king, he finally pulled somebody you know, who was close with him who he felt that he could trust and he just poured out his heart. He said, listen, he says, I just want to tell you the truth. I'm really not a king. And all is not right here. All is not right. And my, my connection to the truth is stronger than my connection and my desire to maintain or to live a lie. And he begs him. He says, please tell me what's happening here. Please, please tell me the truth. And so the person had Rahmanas on him. And he tells him, he says, listen, if they ever find out that I told you, I'll be killed. I mean, nobody knows. This is the secret of all secrets. Nobody knows, you know, how they find these kings and how it just works. And nobody, nobody knows the secret. Please, please don't divulge to anybody that I told you anything about this. But he says, I'm close with you and I love you. And I got to tell you the truth because it pains me to see you suffering this way in such an existential, confused state. And he told him the whole thing. And he said, right now you're the king. But he says it's coming in a couple of months or a couple of years or however long that period of time is. And they're going to knock you right back out to the, to the garbage heap. You're going to be there with everybody else like everybody else. And he says this is what we've been doing. And this is, you know, this is how, we, how we do things here. And the king is silent. And he listens and he understands. And time passes and because he understands the truth a little bit, he's able to be more comfortable in the position. And he understands already the mahalach, and he's accepted, you know, what's going on. And the day finally comes, and he slips something in his drink or whatever it is, and he's out for a couple of hours, and he wakes up a pauper like he was a pauper. 
in the same tattered clothes, in the same garbage heap with the same other chevra. Now, how would you assume his mood is when he stands up from that place? Brokenhearted, right? Dejected, broken, shattered. And how does a person go from such a state to such a, to such a, to such a place of lowliness and dirt and filth from being the melech, from being the king? But this particular pauper stands up and he starts mamish dancing on all the garbage heaps. And maybe there was a pauper there who had gone through the cycle, you know, was aware a little bit of what was going on, maybe figured it out himself. And he looks at him and he says, like, I don't understand. Like, why are you, why are you dancing? Why are you dancing? How could anybody be dancing who goes from such a, you know, such a tremendous place of wealth and of, and of comfort and everything is fine and, 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 and such a place of prestige to such a place of anonymity, you know, out here somewhere in a garbage heap. And he looks him in the face or he answers us or the writer of the tale lets us know that the reason why he's dancing is because after he knew Mirosh, what was going to happen to him, he took it upon himself to secretly start to divert funds out to some foreign, you know, overseas bank account. And secretly, privately, the whole time he was busy siphoning out money and very secretly, in a private sort of way, building tremendous palaces, maybe in an island somewhere offshore, somewhere else. And although he might look like a pauper, and it might look like the end for him, he understands that this is just the beginning. That this is just the beginning. So obviously it's a mushal, what's the nimshal? Says Rabbi Akramer Shachta, the nimshal is this world. He says, this is literally how it is when a person comes into this world and we think to ourselves that we have some level of sovereignty or some level of control over things. And we become confused to the point of believing that we're valid kings. And that the way that we live and that the bhira that we have is real to the point that we start to settle. And we start to believe in it and we start to lean into it. And it starts to get to our heads. But the whole sod of life is that at the end of this cycle, and we should all live long and happy and healthy, Be'ez Hashem, we should daven for all those that are suffering now in our Yisrael and, and abroad. We should all live long and well. But at the end of this little journey, someone's going to slip a little something into our drink. Not physically, hopefully. But somebody slips something to us, and, and the next moment we're, we're right back to where we started. Klum, basar v'dam, flesh and blood, Nothing inanimate. And for most chevra who don't know any secret about this while they're experiencing it, the day of death is, is the day of death. And it's the end. It's the end. It's the end. And that what else can a person do after having lived in an independent consciousness and all of a sudden, can you imagine how devastating that is? All of a sudden to be smacked in the face with the MS that really, you can't do anything. There's nothing that we can do to improve our situation and we're not in control. How devastating that is. Says Rabbi Yaakov Meir Shech, do you know what the Torah is? Torah, Milash, and Hora'ah. You know what the teaching of the Torah is? The teaching of the Torah is that trusted advisor that comes to whisper to us every moment of every day to remind us of this whole cycle, to remind us of this whole setup. And to knock it into us, if that is that, to, you know, to, to remind us and to knock it into us that if we're going to be wise, we're going to utilize our time in office 
to siphon out those funds to that overseas bank account, to spend every moment that we can in Torah and mitzvahs, in machshava, dibur, and maisa, to try to utilize every fleeting moment that we have to build those palaces for ourselves so that when that inauguration day comes, and it comes time to return to that garbage heap where we had nothing and can no longer do anything, it'll be the day of rejoicing, utmost rejoicing, to then be able to inherit all of those tremendous palaces and wealth and treasure houses that we worked so valiantly to secretly send forth, even though we look like everyone else and we're just people living in this life that's limited and that's finite, bus of a dumb. But having been made aware of what this whole Indian is about, what this whole Sipur, what this whole journey of life is, we're going to be able to get to that place at 120 at Meva Esrim and Mamish dance the eternal dance of somebody who knows that the life that he lived and that the time that he was allotted was well lived. And I bless us all with that ability to realize that life is fleeting. And again, we should all live long and happy and everybody we know, we should, should only hear good news. You know, but life is not forever. And those that are wise know how to make use of our time now that we do have to be able to build something eternal with it. And that's what was going through my mind as I'm watching the most powerful man in the world leave this place and head into life of no power, nothing. And somebody else step into that role. And it reminded me of this muscle to remember that everything is fleeting. Sof davar hakal nishma esalikim yira bes mitzvoysav shemar kizek This is the main thing. Okay, so I just wanted to hop into, uh, into the sources. I'm going to share the screen. There's a lot to do. And the Siyat let's jump in. Okay, so you guys can see it? You guys can see the, uh, the sources okay? Yeah, Morty? All right. Okay, so let's jump in. We're going to be learning a piece from Divri Cheskel from the Holy Shinavarov's Chusiyagunalenu, the son of the Divri Chaim of Sand. We've learned from him before in the past. But this is a very, very special piece, a very, very foundational piece with a lot of incredible ideas that we're going to try to unpack um, in the short time that we have together with Siyat Rishmayim. Okay, so let's jump right in. In the Pasuk, at the end of the Parsha, the Parsha of Peter, Chamar, and Pidin Bechar. Kadesh Likol Bechar, that because of Makas Bechoros and that, Tremendous, tremendous maka that a Kodesh Baruch who dealt the Egyptians, the Egyptians with, that their firstborn were wiped out. A Kodesh Baruch who says, Am Yisrael is called my Bechar, and therefore every single firstborn is a Bechina of Kodesh, has something intrinsically holy about him, and needs to be in an aspect of Pidyan. And so that shall be holy, Kadeshli called Bechar, Petar called Rechem, each and every. Uh, firstborn shall be holy from the womb, Bene Yisrael, Ba Adam, Uva Behema, both in person, right? People, which we do Pedin Aben for, Uva Behema, and the same way it is with, uh, with animals, Lihu shall be mine. commands the nation to remember always this day that we left Mitzrayim, Bahaya, and it shall be Kiviyacha, when the master of the world will bring us to the land of Eretz Yisrael to 
Kenaan, and Shivas Yamam Toichal Matzis, you shall eat Matzah there, right? And we shall have Pesach for seven days, Vaiki Viacha, Vichud Vavarta Kopata Rechem, all of these mitzvahs that are given, the very first mitzvahs, right? Kiddush HaChodesh, the mitzvah of the mitzvah Pesach, Pidin Chamar, Pidin Aben, all of this is at the very end of Parshish Bo, and we're going to be delving into these Psukim Al Darach Remes to understand. Says the Heli Gedivri Chaim, the Heli Gedivri Cheskel, the son of the Gedivri Chaim, Schus Yaganolenu, Val Ko Yisrael Amen. Lechayer Kasha seems to be difficult to understand. Ki Hashem Tzivu LeMoshe LeMar, because the Master of the World commanded Moshe to say, Kadosh Li Kol Bechar, Vuhu Amalechem Tchila Zachar Siyem Azeh Asher Yitzasmi Mitzrayim, Va'Acherkach Amalechem Va'Avar To Kol Petarechem. Why did Moshe switch the order, or why did Moshe add on something that Hakadosh Baruch Hu didn't necessarily tell him explicitly to say to Am Yisrael? Hashem said, "Give them the mitzvah of Kadoshli Kol Bechar, of Kiddush Bechar." And instead, Moshe Rabbeinu began that with Zachar Es Hayoyim Azeh Asher Yitzasim Mitzrayim, and then went on to go ahead and to tell them about this mitzvah. Now, obviously, on a simple level, we understand right that the premise for the concept of the kedusha that a firstborn human, firstborn Jew, as well as a firstborn animal has, is a direct result of this that Hakadosh Baruch redeemed us from Mitzrayim, and there was Makas Bechayros, and in the place of the firstborn Egyptians, Hakadosh Baruch took Am Yisrael. And therefore, we have the mitzvah of Kiddush, you know, Bechar, and, 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 you know, Pidyan, Pidyan Aben, and, and all of this, you know, both Ba'adum Bebehema Lihu. That's on a simple level, but what's the depth of it? What is Moshe Rabbeinu trying to convey? By prefacing these mitzvahs with Zachar, Es Hayoyim Azeh Sheyitzasimim Mitzrayim. The Yishleim Rabbi Yardvarim says, It's possible to explain these things. Kachu. With the following understanding, Kadesh Li, these words, Kadesh Li, you shall be holy to me. I know what this means is, Shati Kadesh Li, that you shall sanctify. Kol Bechar, what does Bechar mean? On one level, Bechar is the firstborn, but Bechar also is connected to the concept of Machshava, because the Pasik says, Reishis Chachma Yiras Hashem. Right, that the beginning of Chachma is Yerushalayim, but Al Kalpanim the Zohar Kadosh says that because the Pasa connects Rashis and Chachma, we find that the Machshava of a person is associated with the concept of Bechar. Those that read Sunlight of Redemption or learned Torah Aleph know this concept intimately and very familiar with this idea that the Machshava of a person is connected to the concept of Bechar, which is the Bechar that Yaakov was able to get and take away from Esav, which is connected to a life of thought, connected to a life of delving into the inner meaning of life, not simply to take things at face value. That's the Bechar that Yaakov got and that he passed on to all of us, that we are the people of the book, right? We're people that, that live you know, by, by, by deeper teachings and always looking for the, uh, for the inner meaning of things. So that's the aspect of Bechar. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Kadesh li kal Bechar. All Bechar, which is the aspect of Machshava, your thought, Sheirash is kal, which also... <coughs> Excuse me, in a creative process, machshava is the very first step, right? Before you go ahead and you act, a person first has to plan it out. Sof masa is b'machshava t'chila. And there's something to that, right? Machshava t'chila. The very first stage in a creative process is the thought, even though it's transcended by ratzon, but still in the sense of practically putting, you know, putting something into motion, the first thing is the blueprint to plan out what this thing is going to look like, what this process is going to take, and that's the machshava, that's the rashis. Therefore, when a Baruch Hu tells Moshe to tell Am Yisrael, 
Kadesh li kol that means that a Jew is charged with sanctifying all machshavos, all of those thoughts he reaches kol. Peter kol rechem, Peter is that not only should we sanctify Kadesh Li Kol Bechar, all of those machshavos that we have, the beginning, that first stage of every creative process, that thought should be holy. It should be rooted in holiness. It should be rooted in a holy motive that I'm doing this or that I'm taking this action for the purpose of bringing myself closer to the master of the world and making the world more godly. But in addition to that, also Kadesh Li Kol Bechar and also Peter Kol. It's Peter called Rechem. But Adarach Remez, what does Peter mean? Peter could mean to open. Right? Like we say that a person who is trapped is, you know, is, is Peter. Right? He's free. It means to open. Liftar. Right? To open something. It's a lotion of opening. Hanu psichos called davar. Also the opening of everything should also be holy. It's the same idea. The machshava that we put into doing something, the first motive should be holy. In addition to that, there's the concept of the opening of something, something new, the beginning of a project, the opening of, of, of something fresh in one's life, the beginning of a new era should be Kaddishli, should be sanctified with a prayer, should be sanctified with a holy thought. Rechem b'menei Yisrael, right, because that's really connected to Peter kol Rechem, which literally means the opening of the womb, right, and that's the firstborn son or the firstborn animal that we're talking talking about over here, but Rechem also obviously could be connected to the concept of Rachmanus. Rechem b'bnei Yisrael. Rechem hu Rachmanus. Rechem is connected to the concept of mercy. That Am Yisrael collectively are called Rachmanim, Baishanim, Goim Lechasadim. That at our core we are a nation of merciful people, not Achzarim. We don't have any ounce of cruelty in us intrinsically. Any cruelty that a Jew could ever exhibit is only Achverak, the influence of the nation to the world. At our core we are Rachmanim. What kind of tzedakah goes on in the firm communities? It's aimless shire, and it'll never be reported in the news. You know, it'll never be it'll never be publicized. And how much goes on that we don't even know about? Am Yisrael Arachmanim at their core. Gam Rechem, Oisius Chaimer, Rechem which is Rachmanus, is also the same letters as Chomer, right? Which means physicality. And so the master of the world is teaching us, Kaddish li kol b'char is the machshava. And that all of our p'sicha is called davar, the peter kol, every opening should also be sanctified and rooted in holiness. Recheb b'nei Yisrael, all of our rachmanos should override the chomer, just the egotistical physicality and that compulsion to act in a very self-centered way. The chomer should be sanctified and turned into rechem, rachem, should be turned into rachmanos, ba'adam ha'inu nefesh and not only spiritually speaking, but also in our physical lives, every aspect of our lives should be sanctified, and that's the ideal, should be consecrated to, Avodas Hashem should be elevated to the highest level, utilize Adam, utilize your spiritual capacities, but also utilize your physical lives, just the very nature of your humanity, eating, drinking, sleeping, all the things that we need to do, every breath we take, and every business transaction and every trip we need to take and every vacation and every facet of our human experience is bechina behema hainu begashmis lihu lifted up kadesh li everything should be holistically lifted up and, ele and elevated in our in in in, the, in terms and in our relation to our relationship with our kadesh baruch hu shetachnas begdu so. 
Once we understand that at the source, of course, this is true, you know, obviously on a simple level, literally, kaddishly called bechar, right? It, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, right? Obviously, we have a mitzvah sasevia to go ahead and to be involved with piti and petra chamar, right? And really kaddish that uh, in the times of the Beis Hamikdash we would bring it up and we would give it to the kohanim. But once we understand that Adarach Remez, and that's what the Torah is eternal, and this is how Chasidus really, you know, made such a tremendous impact. And one of the big chidushim was that Chasidus came to the world to tell us that even seemingly psukim that are that are that are seemingly purely technical, just halachic psukim, psukim talking about you know mitzvahs that we have to learn so many halachas and dinim about. But at the same time, there's a message for my neshama eternally that even if it doesn't seem to apply to me, what is this petr kol rechem? I don't have any animals, right? Bechule, no. But still, there's something so deeply relevant to every single neshama, and it wasn't just the psukim that are clear. You know, the biyadata yom That's clear what the message is for me. But even some pasuk somewhere in mishpatim or Dvarim or somewhere else, and by Yikra Karbanas, that doesn't seem to have an impact, but the truth is, is that Hasidus comes to reveal the remez and the deeper meaning that's eternal and that has something relevant to say to me, something so meaningful, and that just takes the whole Torah and reframes it, you know, in the sense of having a personal message to each and every Jew for all time. So, so when Moshe Rabbeinu heard, and again, he didn't just hear these psukim in terms of the actual commandment, but he heard really what the inner meaning is, the inner dimension, which is the title of this series, what's underneath these words. So Mamash, his hair, his hair stood up straight on his head. Yisrael, and it, how could he go ahead and to say in front of Am Yisrael such a tremendous obligatory or, or, or even more than a tremendous obligatory ki'ilu, not just an obligation, but what's expected of them to try to give over that you're going to live lives and give over to your children for all eternity, lives of Kedusha to such a degree. It's like such a tremendous thing. This is the lives of a tzaddik. This is the life of a tzaddik. How could he go ahead and deliver such a message that implies such kedusha, such lofty levels to each and every Jew, to Klal Yisrael, that includes, you know, like simple people, woodchoppers, you know, people that have no shaykhis, right? Or seemingly no connection to such a level. But the truth is that Moshe Rabbeinu was an absolute faithful shepherd. There are sections of the Zohar Kaddish that are called Raya Mehemna, right? That refer to this aspect in which Moshe Rabbeinu was a faithful shepherd. And that he wanted to guide us. And that he wanted to teach us. And he wanted to take us by the hand. And he is still taking us by the hand through the teachings of the tzaddikim in every generation. That the Zohar Kaddish says, That Moshe Rabbeinu's impact still remains and this that the Ma'ari Naim teaches, I think we had it on one of our Hasidus daily quotes, that the Ma'ari Naim tells us that why is it that nobody knows where Moshe Rabbeinu was buried? Because you know where Moshe Rabbeinu was buried within each and every Jew. So Moshe Rabbeinu, that's guiding us even through the words of this tzaddik that we're learning from, from the Dibri Cheskel. Moshe Rabbeinu says, Chavra, Moshe Rabbeinu says, don't be scared off from this. It's within your power, but let me teach you how to get there. 
And he tells them, That's why he prefaces this charge, this obligation, this idealistic vision of this nation with, this, with these words, Remember this day, That the master of the world took you out with What does this mean? That a Kodesh Baruch Hu is holding your hand. And that a Kodesh Baruch Hu each and every moment is giving you the ability to rise above. That if a Kodesh Baruch Hu wouldn't have told us, And if he wouldn't be a part of the process like all the Svarim tell us, it would be Efshar, it would be impossible. The Gemara in Kedushin tells us that the each and every day the Yitzhahara grows stronger in the world. The accessibility of all means of, of lowliness and filth grows stronger and stronger and stronger. And the Gemara tells us, If a Kaddish Baruch Hu wouldn't help us, it would be impossible to manage to overcome. The Pasuk says in Tehillim, the Rasha, the Yitzhahara, is seeking to kill a person, literally to kill a person. And the Pasuk ends, but the master of the world is helping us and he's holding us. And so Moshe Rabbeinu says, Chavar, you're not alone in this. You're not just tossed out, you know, into the middle of the ocean and have to figure out how to swim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you floaties, Chavar. Your mamish, you have floaties on both arms and you're being lifted up by this tremendous, beautiful, wonderful flotation device that's under you, that's surrounding you, that's within you, that's the master of the world and he's giving you strength every moment. So hold on to him and you'll be okay. You're not alone. And Moshe Rabbeinu continues, and don't eat chametz. An amazing thing. You know, sometimes you have a piece in a safer that's like a nice pshat for that pasuk, you know, and it's like a local explanation and it fits and it's nice and it's something to say over. In Hasidus, increasingly, in these farm, you find that every piece is not just a piece for Shabbos, Parshas, Bay. You could learn this in the middle of the summer. You could learn this in the nine days. You could learn this anytime. And it maintains, in such few words, this tremendous ability to guide in a holistic sort of way to give us a hadracha, a general guidance. It speaks to the essence of our Yahadus of our Yiddishkeit, and it tells us what are the ingredients you are going to need in order to bake this cake, in order for it to be this unbelievable success that we're hoping for. And so Moshe Rabbeinu tells us, well, that was an unfortunate mashal, okay, not the cake, but something else, right? In order to make something successful, Moshe Rabbeinu says you can't eat chamet. That taibas achila is a thing to think about, to put effort into how we eat, and this is something that Bechlal, I mean, I could speak personally, it's not on my consciousness, Bechlal. You know, we think about all the other aspects of Avodah Hashem, but like eating is, is just not, you know, it slipped through the fingers of the firm community in general for this to be an ideal. You know, like that's something we strive for, is tikkun taivas achila. On the contrary, you know, what goes on generally is one, one big shtick taivas achila. You know, and I'm speaking for myself, I'm part of it, or I think many of us are part of it. But the, but the tzaddikim tried to give us this tool to remind us that so, so, so much that goes on in our lives is connected to what we eat and how we eat. And those tzaddikim that really knew the secret of a holistic sort of approach, not just physically, but spiritually, knew that the essence was, was achila, because what you are what you eat in a certain way, right? And so the more that we're able to focus on eating properly and eating correctly, that can have a major impact. 
right? But Bechlal, it's just not something that we talk about. And it's not something that we even think about in a way of advice or an etza that a person is dying and drowning under so much taiva and so much difficulty and anxiety and, and this and that. And it's not even like on our radar to even think that if maybe we focus on changing our diet, that that could actually have an impact. But this is what the tzaddik says. Again, it's a counterintuitive thing. I, I could think of a thousand other things that Moshe Rabbeinu should tell them. What's the first thing to work on? No, but Moshe Rabbeinu tells them, Again, on the simple level, that actually means on Pesach, don't eat leavened bread, right? That, that means that. But on Adarach Remez, Moshe Rabbeinu is telling them, means you got to focus on your eating. That's the ikr. That's the ikr. Amazing thing. And so many people feel as if I tried everything. I tried everything and nothing works. But this, again, because it's so not on our radar, this is something that most people don't even try to try to be misakin. You know, who knows if we, would, if we would fix the way that we eat. Obviously, it's so difficult. It's such a tremendous taiva. You know, but to keep it in mind and to think about it, who knows? And then he, and then he continues. So the first thing is, that's the first thing, is fix the way we eat. What we eat, how we eat, when we eat, how much we eat, and so on. And then he continues and he says that today you are leaving in Chodesh Ha'aviv. Listen to this, Chever. Perish Rashi Zal. What, is, what does Rashi tell us? Al Pasuk, Moitzi Asirim Bekoisharais. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes us out of Mitzrayim Bekoisharais. What does it mean, Bekoisharais? Or he takes out those that are, in, that are, that are trapped. Bekoisharais, says Rashi. Kosher is a lashon of kashros, right? Or a lashon even beyond kashros in a, in, a, in a pleasant time, kosher. But chaydeshu kosher latzes, in a proper, kashros is proper, right? It's fit, it's fitting. Merakadosh Baruch Hu took Am Yisrael, Adam, and Tzrayim, and Ashas, Kosher. Bechaydeshuhu, Kosher. Lot says, Loi chama v'loitzina, says Rashi. It wasn't too hot, and it wasn't too cold, and that's why we have leap years, right? To make sure that every single year the calendar works out, that Pesach should be in the month of Nisan, that it should be, that Nisan should fall out in a time of spring, Bechaydesh Ha'aviv, that it shouldn't be too hot, and it shouldn't be too cold. It's beautiful on a simple level. HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't want to make us have to have umbrellas, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't want us to get you know, to sunburn. So Hashem brought us out in the spring. It's a beautiful thing. But what does it mean on Pipinians? What does it mean on the deepest level? How is it relevant to you and me, this? That HaKadosh Baruch Hu took Am Yisrael out in a Shas Kaisher, Loi Chama, Loi Tzina. Says Moshe Rabbeinu to Am Yisrael. Again, laying the foundation for how we are able to get to a level of Kaddishli called Bechar Machshava. Petr called Rechem. Every Haschala should be in a way of sanctity and holiness. Rechem ibn Yisrael, we should be able to turn our chomer, our egotistical physicality into Rachmanos. But Adam, in terms of spiritual, in a spiritual sense, Babahema, in a physical sense, Lihu, to lift it up to our Kaddish Baruch. How do we do this? Says Moshe, the first thing is Taivas Achila. Oh no, I'm sorry, the first thing is to remember that Hashem took you Adam and Sraim and that our Kaddish Baruch is holding you and helping you. That's the first thing, is to have that faith that you're not alone in this. The second thing is Taivas Achila, to focus on how we're eating, which is really the, the esot of everything else. The third thing is shas kasher. What is shas kasher? Not too hot, not too cold. Says the Heilige Divrei Cheskel. Moshe Rabbeinu is telling them, What does it mean? That it shouldn't be too warm. Says Moshe to Am Yisrael, we don't need to be fanatics. 
We don't need to have Chamimus Yaseira to be burning, burning, burning with spiritual desires and, 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 and strivings to the point that it consumes everything else and every other aspect and that it overflows all of the other areas in my life that I need to have a little bit of a Bitula Shaltaira Zuhi Kiyuma. That it shouldn't be overly warm. But it should also be not cold. Is that that a person should engage in a way of kriros? That's a malik, right? That's a malik. That a malik cools us down. I write about that in the first chapter of my book that Chazi Hashem Siyat finally came out this past week. And actually just today, we arranged that the website should have a sample of, uh, of, of the beginning parts of the book. It's not, it's not straight because I took out some of the parts. I don't want to put everything in. But the first chapter over there, if you go on the, on the website, lpi.org, you'll see on the, on the page of the book, the first chapter really talks about this, the Kriris of Amalek. This, that along the journey that Ibn Ahmed tells his famous story about Derech Siparti Maisa, the journey from youth to adulthood, something happens and we lose that natural youthful spark. That's what the whole book is about, trying to reclaim that, regain that, both in our personal lives and communally, to get in touch with the excitement of Avodah Hashem again, the love affair with, that, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the subtitle of the book, right? It's an epic quest for the, for, the, uh, for the soul, right? To reclaim the soul of our tradition. That's what, it's all, that's what the whole book is about. That's what the whole story is about. And so the Divrei Cheskel in the words of Moshe Rabbeinu is telling us that Hashem tells Am Yisrael loy betzina shaloy tasuavik dasi betzina naguf hana shaloy talu b'maylus b'bas achas liyus ah so here so what does this mean that it shouldn't be loy kar that it shouldn't be not too cold loy tzina but also loy chama it means hana shaloy talu b'maylus b'bas achas liyus sorifav dasi b'slavus yisira to rush the process to try to take on too much at once to become too extreme it's not what a kodesh baruch wants. That it shouldn't be too warm. It shouldn't be too hot. Go one step at a time. What you can handle, when you can handle it, slowly but surely, but slowly. But don't let that desire to go step after step in a healthy, normal, processed, balanced way to lead a person into a state of, into a state of coldness. This is step three. So the first thing is, again, that remind yourself that a Kaddish Baruch Hu takes us out of Mitzrayim, that Hashem is holding us, that Hashem is with us, that Hashem is supporting us, and that without Him, it would be impossible. So we're not alone. We're Pashat not alone. That's the first thing. The second thing is Tavis Achila. The third thing is, is that Hashem takes us out. B'chodesh Aviv. What is Aviv? Lo Kar and Lo Chom. Shouldn't be too extreme, shouldn't be too much with the Slavas to the point that you're not able to function as a normal human being, that it should be spend time talking to people, be a, be a human, be balanced, be healthy, be normal, normal. But also, don't let that desire to do things in a balanced, normal way bring you to a place of Kriris where you, where you lose it, right? You should have that Chamimus, that's the Iker. That's step two. Or step three, rather. With this, we'll, we'll finish. And then Moshe Rabbeinu says that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to bring you into this land, which has seven nations, 
What does this represent? That in order to get into Eretz Yisrael, we have to battle seven nations. Well, what's the Sod HaDavar? What does this mean? What is this again? Well, how is this relevant to my Avodah Hashem? We know that Eretz Yisrael is a physical location, which some of us are Zohar to be sitting in right now. We shouldn't take that for granted either. But the truth is also that whatever exists in the world at large exists within the spiritual journey of the Jew, exists, exists inside. All of us have an Eretz Yisrael in our own body, have an Eretz Yisrael in terms of our character, have an Eretz Yisrael in terms of our ideal existence, what we can attain. That's the Eretz Yisrael of our own inner life, our own inner world. And in order to get to that place, in order to conquer Eretz Yisrael inside, we need to battle seven nations. And the seven nations, obviously, that we're battling represent the seven negative expressions of the seven holy midos that are expressed in the seven lower spheros out of ten, the emotional spheros, also called Midos, Chesed, Gvura, Tiferes, Netzachod, Yisod, Malchus, all of which manifest in special emotions and special tendencies and special proclivities that the human being has created with Selim that we have those Midos within ourselves, but all of those can be taken to a negative expression. And Chesed becomes too much Chesed, becomes Yishma. And Gevura, which we need, all these things are holy, we need to exercise Gevura sometimes, can become Esav, can become cruelty, right? All of these Midos have a reflection in a negative sense, and that's the seven nations of the world that we must conquer, we must battle in order to gain access to the Eretz Yisrael within. And so, that we need to break, and we need to shatter these seven Midos that parallel to bring those back into the realm of the holy, and not to to look at these things as intrinsically bad or evil and I'm such a bad person. No, they're just misguided expressions of the holiest powers in the world that it's in our ability to elevate and to bring back and to rechannel and to utilize properly in a way of Kedusha. Like the Gemara tells us at the end of Shabbos that a person who's born in madal, Mazel Madim, that a person who's born under this Mazel of, of red, right, that's going to make Mars, that's going to make a person, uh, you know, have, 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 a, have a desire to shed blood, he should channel that to become a butcher, a shaykhid, or a mile, right? Because that's utilizing this essentially holy thing, right, and this holy, uh, uh, you know, ability or proclivity in a holy way. And that's called... That you should go ahead and do this. Again, eating in, in a holy way. So then, when you're going to behave in this way, then HaKadosh Baruch is going to bring you to that incredible place. Not just physically, we should all be back here physically in Eretz Yisrael soon. And, it, and it's, the process is underway and it's happening and every moment we get closer to the Gula, but also spiritually inside. When you come to that place of the inner Eretz Yisrael, and here we go, rather. and now we can come back after this foundation, that Hashem's with you, that we eat properly, and that it shouldn't be too extreme with heat, with Islavas, but it also shouldn't be cold. And we have to go ahead and battle with these seven Midos to try to fix 
fix ourselves, then we can come to a place of, after all the sur meirah, we can come to a place of an unbelievable asetov, that every aspect and facet of the human experience that we're living can be consecrated, lifted up, elevated to the highest levels. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu, V'nesan Lecha, right? And He gave it to you, V'nesan Lecha, V'avarta kol petarechem, V'chanal. V'chol petachamar, Tifte Beseh, and the end of that parsha is that every petachamar should be and uh, should be switched out, right? Or should be redeemed for a set for a sheep. And the Pasa continues that if you don't do this, if you're not going to take the firstborn donkey and do pidin chamar, which they even do today in rare cases here in Eretz Yisrael, then you have to break its neck. If you're not going to go and do this pidin process, you have to kill this, uh, this, this donkey because it's totally holy for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it has the holiness that needs to go on to the sheep, needs to be switched out for this uh, for, for a sheep that's a holier animal, that's always a symbol of Kedusha as the set. Shamati, with this we'll finish, B'Shem Arav HaKadosh Marinu Tzvi Hirsh And this remez really brings us full circle and closes out this tremendous process of Kedusha, this ladder of holiness, which again, this piece is not just a Dvar Torah, Hasidus is not just like a nice vart, a Hasidus of vart that you heard somewhere you could say over by the Shabbos table. No, it's a guide for life. It's a small little piece. It's one little piece and one little parsha of one safer and V'chule, V'chule, V'chule. No, but it's, it's mamish, uh, it, you know, it's a... It's like an ethical will, you know, in a certain sense, like to really gift us with, if you follow this, you'll get to the highest place. This is what all of Yiddishkeit is about. And this piece from Divri Cheskel, Parshas Bay, what a phenomenal thing. Thank you, Hashem, for the tzaddikim. Mamish. Says Ritzvi Her Zidichayver. Petar, we already said, is Lashem Psicha, to open, right? Liftar, that's what it means. Petar Kol Rechem, right? That which opens the womb, which is the firstborn. The chamar hu gashmius. Chamar can mean a donkey, but it also contains, like we already said, the oisios of chomer, of physicality, chumrius. And what does this mean that we have to go ahead and we have to redeem the chamar for the seh? Says the Zidachaiver Aremes, a sod. If a person has negative. Thoughts, right? Really, the line before. Okay. So, if a person is accosted by egotistical thoughts, right, or thoughts that are self-serving, or thoughts that are self-gratifying, in a physical way, or rather, lowly thoughts, the main thing is we got to elevate it. It's not so much a matter of pushing them away, driving them away. The lechatchila avoda is to say, oh my gosh, I have a huge desire to A, B, C, or D, but what I'm really desiring is the master of the world. I don't really want that. That Yitzhahara is just the Yitzhah Tov in disguise, right? Or it's the Yitzhah Tov that gets usurped, right? And is utilized to power negative functionality, but it's rooted in the holiest place in the world, which in the context of the book, the story of our lives and the, and the story of the lost princess is that the lost princess, spoiler alert, but the lost princess becomes the queen of the negative place. Like how, how does that happen? Because the princess is a holy, is a holy force. But when it is mischanneled, it becomes mamish, the energy for everything negative and everything evil. So when we realize that, the lechatchila avoda is pidyan, is not to, to break it or to push it away or to get down on ourselves. The first lechatchila is to redirect. 
and to say the feeling that I'm feeling is not essentially bad. On the contrary, it's essentially good. This is just a misrepresentation of that feeling. So what I'm going to do is to re-channel it, is to consciously redirect it to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to desiring that ultimate relationship for which all of those midas were given to me. That's the L'Chathchila V'Hainu Tifteh Baseh. That the first course of action, plan A, L'Chathchila, is to go ahead and to swap it out for the set, which we already said is a symbol for Kedusha, the set Merames Al Kedusha. If that doesn't work, if that plan A doesn't work, that you're not able to elevate it and that it, it keeps dragging you further and further down, after that you should break its neck. If you're not able, that you should stop thinking this thought, stop engaging with it, distract yourself, or all of the other strategies right, for taking care of impure, improper, negative thoughts, that's all plan B. Plan A is to do pidyon. Plan A is to redeem it, to swap it out, to rechannel it. Only if you see that that's mamash not working after you tried that. So plan B is right? So then you can break its neck and then you should try to push it away and utilize all of those strategies to distract oneself. To push it away. What an incredible journey. What an incredible teaching from the Dere Chaim. So just to review again, the Iker is what we're trying to get to is, is Kaddish Likol Bechar. Petar Kol Rechem. Bechar is Machshava. Petar Kol Rechem is Rachmanas to redeem all of the openings, right? Everything that we start, every new project, everything that we want to do should be in a way of Kedusha. That the Chomer should be turned into Rachmanas. Adam, Uva Behema, spiritually, physically, everything should be Lihu. How do we get there? The first thing is, remember, you came out of Mitzrayim. Coming out of Mitzrayim is a reminder that Kaddish Baruch Hu is helping us, that he's holding us, that he's with us, he's supporting us. The second thing is not to eat chametz, is to think and how to focus on taivas achila, to try to make small strides to fix up how we eat, what we eat, when we eat, how much we eat, etc. To make sure that we are what we eat, so we should, we should eat in a proper way. That's the bechin of taivas achila. What comes next is that it should be bechodesh ha'avid, in a time that's kosher, right? In a pleasant time, not too hot, not too cold, not too extreme with the slavas to try to take on everything at once, which is too unhealthy and an unhealthy extreme, but at the same time, not too cold. It's got to be that balance. When we have that, then we're able to go ahead and to try to battle with these seven midos. And this remes tells us, right, and then we get to Eretz Yisrael. Then once we battle the seven nations, we're able to conquer Eretz Yisrael, which is a spiritual mandrega in as much as it's a physical place as well. But the ikr is in the sense of what our strategy is, says Ratzvi Her over the Heli Gebal Sur Mirab he said, which is his safer, says the Heli Tzadik that plan A is Pidyon. Plan A is to redirect. Plan A is to elevate. Plan A is to take those negative thoughts and to utilize them for their positive intention. To love HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to desire HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to want to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, all of these negative things. It's not really physicality we desire. It's just in disguise. It's the Yetzir Tov in the, in the garments of the, of the Yetzir It's Yaakov Avinu wearing Esau's clothes. It's just, a, it's just a, it's a disguise. If that doesn't work, plan B is to try to distance yourself from that thought 
thought, distract yourself, uh, you know, all of the other tachbulis, all the other plans to be able to free ourselves. But if we hold on to this lesson and we really genuinely put this to work, like I always say, if I would just allow one thing that I learned to actually impact me, then I wouldn't need all the thousands of, you know, all the thousands of teachings and pages in the Sfarim. All we need is just one drop to go in. You know, so if we could take this idea and not just say it over by our Shabbos table, which we should, you know, I don't know if somebody's going to be willing to listen to a whole long thing like this, you know, but if we, if we, you know, we should say it over, but the Iker is is to really put it into practice and to examine all these steps and say, how can I work on this? How can I try to remind myself that Hashem is with me? How can I try to work on Taivas Achila in some way, small way? How can I try to take steps and make sure that I'm not too extreme in a way of Islavos, but at the same time to invest my avoda with fire? How can I try to elevate L'Chathchila V'Chulei? And, uh, and, and now we have a little bit of a, of a, of a map. Right, a spiritual map, just from one piece, in one safer, in one parasha, it's a pella, how much he packs in, and how relevant the Torah is, and that's why Hasidus comes, and that's why this generation, there's a, there's a movement, a tremendous movement happening, all of us are aware, right, I speak to Hebra, we learn in different yeshivas, there's not one yeshiva that doesn't have a pocket of Hebra that are connected to this kind of limud, and it's spreading like wildfire, because we need a Torah, that's a Torah, a Torah to hold on to, a Torah that when we're drowning in the waters of confusion, and when we have no clarity, but it's a Torah that gives us strength, not just, you know, psukim that don't seem relevant to me, but I'm able to perceive the infinite, ultimate relevance for all time coming from every single pasuk, every single letter, every single word. What a privilege to be able to learn it with you. I thank each and every one of you for giving me this opportunity and for joining. And uh, thank you to those who are on the call, who are joining our course. Be'ezer Hashem, we're starting that February 7th. There will be many, many, many more cycles, Be'ezer Hashem, in the decades to come for all of those that are not hopping on this particular cycle. But it's, uh, it's just, it's the most special thing. You know, we talked before about the Bechina of, you know, Sof Masib B'machshavat Chila. To be able to come to a place, you know, I just have to express my gratitude. And I'll say a lot more, you know, when we start the course itself, you know. But all of this began as just a, a thought. Just a small little machshava, you know, not very long ago. I mean, obviously, it was, it was all, you know, the, the seeds had been planted years and years and years ago. You know, but really, I would say maybe two years ago, two and a half years ago, just this idea of saying, like, you know, we have to, we have to bring all of it together. We have to really, we have to really uh, create a platform to give us a voice, to give our chevra a voice. And, and, and you know, slowly but surely, it was, it was the machshavat chila that ultimately is coming now at this, at this crazy time in the world, dafka, you know, which began long before corona. But corona, you know, in this time period, we got started with LPI. And it's growing, b'chaz Hashem, and, and, and things are moving to come to a, machsh- to come to a sof masa and to be able to see that which I, I dreamt of. You know, and I, I live and breathe to, to see that come to actuality is just the, is the biggest gift, and, and I'm so grateful for it. And Chaz um, Hashem, we should we should all we should all merit in our own lives to have that that to have that machshavat chila and to be able to see it coming koach not just once but countless times throughout our lives to constantly be planning kaddishly kol bechar petter kol rechem and to come to see that come you know in a way of kibush eretz yisrael to get here to get here physically to get there spiritually again and again and again over and over to make goals and to reach them and to plan new goals and to always be exploring new spiritual horizons in our relationship with the master of the world, our father in heaven who loves us an infinite amount. Okay, so thank you so, so much for listening. Thank you for joining. And um, yeah, let's take one question. Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to make a comment. Usually we talk about and Hashem, but really what it's supposed to be is Wow, I love that. 
I love that. It sums it up. It sums up. Beautiful. Is that your own or that or, or that's from somewhere? A, a friend of mine told me. Beautiful. We got to make that into some sort of bumper sticker or something. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so, so much for sharing that. Thank you. All right. Wishing everybody the most beautiful Shabbos. Yes. We have somebody else? Are they crying? Yes. Yeah, you also have um, Rev. Avram Hand on the line. He's a, he's a friend of your father's. That I Again, I missed that. Yeah. You also have a, um, my friend Rev. Avram Hand. Avram Hand on the phone. He's a friend of your father's. Beautiful. 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 Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so, so much. Okay, Vez Hashem, we should have a beautiful Shabbos. Thank you so much. No, no, I, that was not in my mind at all. No, yeah, there are technical, there are more technical questions. You know, but here, yeah, Hasidus brings it, you know. Anyway.